Hello and welcome to Theatre Club Podcast. We bring you theatre news, theatre reviews and theatre-themed booze. Welcome back to another episode. My name is Oscar and I'm joined by my sister Alice. Hi everybody. We're not actually in the same room together yet. We are just over the internet. Yeah, you're at home with mum. I'm in London with my martini. Oh yes, what are you drinking today? We usually do a theatre-themed cocktail on this podcast every episode, usually themed around a show that we've been to see that week. Obviously, we haven't been seeing anything at the theatre, so we're just we're just making straight-up booze. What have you got? I've just done a classic dirty martini with some lovely um, olives and in a nice chilled glass that I had in the freezer. Really boring chat. I'm defrosting my freezer. Sorry, everyone. Well, I'm sure that feels rewarding. I haven't really got much else to do and I've I've done so much other stuff around the house like that was kind of the last thing on my list of things that I should achieve during lockdown. And you just found a frozen martini glass in there while you were on the job. Exactly, that was my reward. You always have frozen glasses, that's why I love coming to your place. You always have a glass in the freezer for whatever cocktail we have. I've got a um a gin daisy which is just like gin and cointreau and lemon juice. Um it's quite tart but nice, ginny. Sounds nice. I can hear your ice clinking. Sorry, I'll try not to um, let it clink too much during the episode. Well, I certainly need a drink after today. I've had some very upsetting news. Oh my God, what? Well, um, Neelesh, who I've been seeing for nearly nine years, called who? me Neelesh, my dentist. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, to say that he um, he's had a change of heart. <laughs> <laughs> And he's taken this time to evaluate his life and he doesn't want to um, be a dentist anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's dumped me. (gasps) And... Oh, no, because you liked your dentist, didn't you? It's the longest relationship I've ever had with a man. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been dumped. Honestly, I just thought... What else is going to happen? I mean, everything's going so crazy and now I get dumped by my dentist. It's very, um, I feel like you should be writing some sort of sex in the city on your laptop. That's the sort of storyline that would happen in that she gets dumped by her dentist. Later that day, I got to thinking. I had had a toothache and I had had a heartache, but never both at the same time. Meanwhile, on the Upper East Side, Samantha was having a different kind of cavity filled. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the, my dentist was called the Ivory Room, which I always thought was a little bit of a sort of, I don't know, it makes you think of like the illegal trade of ivory. The Ivory Room, yeah, it makes you think like they're going to pull your teeth out and fashion them into some sort of antiques. Yeah, so um, maybe the title, like if I was carrying Sex and City, I'd be sort of making reference to some sort of was a good man now an endangered species? Are my teeth back on the market? <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, oh, Neelash, I'm so sorry. I've really enjoyed seeing you and we've been through a lot. Um, you know, you've done sterling work and it won't be the same without you. We spoke a lot about why he's made this decision. and I just What's he planning on doing instead? Well, he wants to concentrate on his kids because he says he doesn't even remember like some of the major moments. Bloody men always just want to concentrate on their kids, <laughs> on being good fathers, honestly. Um, How could he? But I did think it was really nice that he personally phoned 
everybody well. Has he actually phoned you, not email? No, he did this all over all over phone. I mean, I'm saying he phoned oh, everybody. Wow. He might have just phoned me. Oh my god, maybe. I don't know. So, but then he or he didn't. Then he did then follow it up with an email, um, just saying, you know, what he said on the phone that he wants to reevaluate reevaluate his professional and home life goals, and he wants to broaden his horizons. I mean, good for him. He's really enjoyed treating you all, well, me, over the last 12 years. It's been a very (laughs) difficult decision to make. It's the right one for myself. I mean, it really is. I don't know if I can take this. It's a really difficult decision. And I wanted to say, Neela, this is a two-sided conversation. Like, you can't just break up with somebody. It's got to, after this many years. Yeah, what about my feelings? So, yeah, I definitely, um, definitely need this drink. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it. Do you think you can continue on with the episode? I'm going to try. I think it's. I think I need to just put it to one side and hope that no one else dumps me this week. Next thing I know, it'll be my waxer or. Don't, Alice, don't say that. No, no, I know. <laughs> don't say that. <laughs> Whatever in touch with. I don't think you'd make it. Mum was really making me laugh because she was. She called me up and she said, "I don't understand how um, you know, a hairdresser can." You're allowed to be wiped by somebody's face cussing your hair, but nobody can stand at an end of a bed and wax my legs. She's got a good point. Alice, I live in this house. Right. I've heard her have that conversation with about 12 different people on the phone. So I've heard I've heard it a lot. And then I said, well, can't you just do your own legs? I feel like we've seen her sat in that utility room. like next Oh, yeah, to the, the microwave. microwave still has wax scars all over it. Yeah, so I was like, oh, can't you just waxing. do your own? And she said, I've only got enough to do um, a quarter of a leg. <laughs> I was like, please don't do that. It makes me feel a bit queasy, just the thought of having a smooth quarter of one leg and the rest of it all sort of like <laughs> desperate Dan's chin. <laughs> oh, I really hope she doesn't do home waxing because the smell of that wax in the microwave. And once when I was younger, I remember she got, she tried to do her armpit and she got the piece of paper stuck there or, you know, the waxing oh. strip and she couldn't get it off and she called me down and I had to yank a big wax strip off her armpit. It was, it was, I'm still traumatised. Oh yeah, I've never heard that memory before it was a scary time (laughs) right so let's crack on with the podcast yeah what forgot to talk about i watched the national theater's latest stream this week which was uh, le blanc by lorraine hansbury and we've both watched a couple of episodes of alan bennett's talking heads which has just been on the bbc so we can chat about that. But I guess the big news is probably that, because last time we talked, we were saying that theatres don't really know what's happening in terms of when they can reopen, if they're going to get help, if they're going to have to make people unemployed, blah, blah, blah. But this week, we have finally had word from the government that they are they have got some sort of financial plan in place to help support the arts industry and theatres in the UK, which is good news. How exactly that is going to be spent yet, I don't quite know. They haven't detailed the plan in terms of who gets what around the country. But I know that 39% of all funding went to London, and then 27% went up to the north, 17% going to the Midlands, 9% to the south, and 8% to the southwest. So it sounds like theatres around the country are going to be getting some sort of funding. So hopefully we won't have to see more theatres close. Yeah, we were like the last country to sort of initiate any kind of plan for this, weren't we? Yeah, I wonder what took them 
I mean, it took them so long to get something in place or not even say, yes, we're going to do it. That was just absolute silence, it seemed. Hmm. Also, the Southwark Playhouse have announced that they're, do you remember, you know, they're building a new space further down towards Elephant and Castle. That is going to open apparently in 2021. So that is still going ahead because I suddenly thought, God, I wonder if that's even going to happen now. Well, that's good that they're doing, they're going to go ahead. That's really good. Yes, that'd be really cool because we love Southern Playhouse. And the location that they're currently in, um, they've opened the bar or they're opening the bar this week. So if you want to support Southern Playhouse because it's a great London theatre venue, you can at the moment, obviously you can't go and see any shows there, but you could go and have a drink there if you wanted to kind of help support them along the way. That would be nice. I I also read that, um, you know how I was saying that outdoor venues and outdoor gigs are the kind of first thing to come around? Um, Because they're obviously, it's easy to socially distance. But I saw that, um, do you remember the production that was on of Great Gatsby, the immersive production? Oh, yeah. That ran for a long time, didn't it? Yes. They have announced that they will be reopening in October. And they're going to incorporate the PPE into their performances. So that the, because obviously the audience interact with the cast. um, So they're, they're going to make sure that everybody is wearing a mask and they're also going to redesign the set. Um, And they're going to put social um, distancing. There's going to be somebody walking around. And then for like, there's a Charleston dance. Um, They're now turning that into a masquerade ball and all of the masks are going to double as PPE. That's quite clever. Mm. And I also quite like the fact that on their website, you can buy the tickets. They've gone on sale. They're uh, £39.50. And then there's a big banner at the bottom which is saying that they're doing a no questions um exchange policy so if for any reason you get ill or you don't feel well or you just don't want to go you can exchange your ticket for later in the run which i think is such a good idea that's good yeah yes if anyone does feel under the weather they can just not go and put other people at risk Mm. And I also was really excited to see that ENO, so that's the English National Opera, are doing the world's first drive-in opera. And it's going to be at Alexandra Palace in September. Oh, cool. Mm. And the other bit of the uh, that news that I was really excited about when I saw the statement is that they're going to be doing shortened versions of operas. So they're going to be around 90 minutes long instead of sort of three hours or whatever an opera performance usually is. And they're oh, doing really um, the Magic Flute and La Boheme. The others, I think, are yet to be announced. So they're sort of really good, produ- like they're sort of introdu- really good introductory things to go and see if you've never seen opera before. And the first performance is going to be free for the NHS and frontline workers. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. They're also saying that um, unlike a lot of other open air um, events, they are going to allow people on motorbikes and bicycles, which I think is really good because a lot of these things are saying you've got to have a car, which in London, just not a lot of people do. Because a lot of these drive-ins like Six the Musical have announced they're doing a drive-in, which is very exciting. And you can you don't have to stay in your car. You get a square that you pull your car into and then you have a little bit of space next to your car to kind of get out and have a dance and party or whatever in that space. So I don't see why you couldn't cycle into that space. The idea is just to keep people kind of separated mm-hmm. um, and out in the open where the risk is far, far lower for transmission of COVID. Um, the other exciting, well, it's not that exciting, but I just, obviously I have my Jenna Russell Google alert to see what she's doing. And she's going to be part of an online charity concert, but it's for Godspell by Stephen Schwartz, which is not really a musical I particularly like. So 
I was kind of excited to see she was doing something, but that's not my my absolute favourite. Um, but it does have a good cast as well as Jenna Russell. It stars. Um, it's going to have Sam Tutty, who is playing Evan Hansen in Dear Evan Hansen in London. Rhea Jones and who else is in it? Oh, Ruthie Henshaw and Darren Day. So that's one that's raising money for three different charities. So you can buy tickets for it, basically. And the money goes towards Acting for Others, National AIDS Trust and A Factory of Creativity, which is the Hope Mill Theatre's charity. Well, I'll watch Jenna doing anything and I and it's for a good cause. So tick, tick. Something else that I watched this week on iPlayer is a series called in sort of arts and culture quarantine and it's called Get Creative at Home Masterclass and they've got a ton of famous people, um, Simon Callow, Paul Smith, Ez Devlin, Jules Holland. But the one that caught my eye was Cynthia Erivo, who is the Oscar-nominated actress and amazing theatre star who was in The Colour Purple last five years. And she is doing a masterclass with a RADA student called Daniel Boerbank. And she takes Daniel through the song Nobody Needs to Know, which is from the musical The Last Five Years. And they go through it literally line by line, bar by bar. And it's just such an insight into how a professional singer takes on a song like that. And it's listening to her is she's just so mesmerizing to watch. And she, her voice is phenomenal. Oh, that does sound really interesting. I love Cynthia Evo. I remember we saw, I think the first time we saw her was in Songs for a New World, which was the song cycle by Jason Robert Brown. And we saw the production, obviously, because Jenna Russell was in it, was the reason we went. And then um, Cynthia Erivo was in it and she was just I remember just hearing her voice for the first time and being like oh my god and of course now she's yeah an Oscar nominee huge Tony winner she's just absolutely blown up hasn't she she really has I mean I'm really glad deservedly so exactly talent like that while we're speaking about iPlayer we should talk about Talking Heads yes so there's 12 episodes of Talking Heads um I think it's sort of 10 originals and two new ones or something like that. He's done a couple of new new ones and the rest are from his either his 1988 or 1998 series. And they're performed by all new actors, an incredible cast. We talked about it on the last episode, didn't we? Yeah, the cast looks amazing. Not a very diverse cast now that I come to think of it, is it? No, it's not actually. I think there's only one actor of colour and everyone mm. else is white. Whereas unprecedented was a really diverse I felt that was a good yes in all forms from sort of young and old and yeah yeah yeah, that was a very diverse project so which ones have you watched okay so I just started the beginning with Imelda Staunton doing a lady of letters and then I did um and then I did an ordinary woman which starred Sarah Lancashire after that oh I haven't seen that one um so should we well let's so you've seen a lady of letters I saw a lady of letters which is um Melda Staunton and she is a sort of busybody curtain twitching middle-aged woman she writes to everybody she writes back to spec savers she writes to her local MP anything she sees she writes it she's like a sort of I suppose like you know like a modern day troll almost that kind of she's she's sort of like battling on a battling on a keyboard yes exactly she's quite up in arms about everything and she's sort of She's almost like she's like safeguarding. She sort of if she sees something wrong, she's trying to sort of whistleblow on everyone and it gets her into a lot of trouble, doesn't it? Yes, basically she doesn't really know where to kind of draw the line in what's actually helpful and what's really just for her own sense of 
self-worth or yeah it kind of goes past the past the point and of actually being useful but it's so funny it's so darkly funny because then there's a twist it goes in an, it goes in a direction that you're not expecting and then she completely changes her persona and the way she's now talking about her life now and what's happened and it's it's very it's really funny it ticked every box for me and after i watched it i was smiling while i was watching it because it was just so good it it nourished my soul oh it's got some real classic alan bennett lines and like you said it takes a kind of twist and i'd forgotten that so much of his work does it lulls you in with that kind of talk of Earl Grey tea and you know what what everyone thinks of as Alan Bennett very sort of comfortable cozy but actually there's always not always but often a very dark undercurrent in a lot of his writing and kind of twists and turns that can often shock in some sort of way can't they yes so and also it's very subtle so it's not the sort of thing you can have on in the background or you can look at your phone while you're what like you have to concentrate because it's so nuanced. So for example And it's di- it's direct address as well, isn't it? Amelda looks straight at you. These talking heads, they are talking to you, so you have to fully engage. So because they're engaging you. I watched um Bed Among the Lentils, um, which was performed by Leslie Manville, and she plays a vicar's wife and it was something really subtle that she says about a, a lunch that she had had with her her husband, the vicar and the bishop. And she mentions that she knocked the cream over. And then she says that her husband covered for her and said that he had knocked it over. And then the bishop said, that, and, and you're so, you sort of don't really think anything of it. But then later on in the story that has, you think, oh, that's why that's happened. And it comes back. And if you've missed that line and you haven't taken notice of it, it's just so subtle. Nothing is nothing sort of spelled out for you. You really have to listen. But I love that. I love it. What's the other one that you... So sorry, then you watched An Ordinary Woman, which is with Sarah Lancashire. And this is one of the new pieces that has been written. And when I say that sort of his work often has a dark undercurrent or takes a sort of darker turn, this one is full on... This is very much like if you think you know what Alan Bennett is and you think it's going to be a comfy, cosy thing, this one is... Think again. This is full-on disturbing and very, very dark. And I think it's probably going to upset some people. So I'll, I'll say what it's about. If people don't want to listen, they can skip if you want the surprise of it. But it does come fairly early in the episode. You kind of realise what it's about. It's basically about a mother who um, is becomes sexually attracted to her own son who's sort of 15 or 16 and oh. and well she's sort of in love with him and it was just disturbing or not not least because I watched this with our mum oh god so why do you keep I know and appropriate it's... things with mum like you watched normal people normal people um, <laughs> why <laughs> that then was you... a lot of sex then you've watched white lines yeah that was a lot of drugs and sex and now we're watching paedophile mothers and yeah it's so disturbed well it's not you know it's not graphic in any way it's not that sort of shocking but it's it's this woman who has fallen in love with her own son it is just really creepy and weird um i think sarah lancashire is very good in it but i think um well this isn't actually my observation this was mum's observation which i thought was quite interesting that she said that this is one of alan's newer pieces and it's a contemporary setting but some of the writing in it's a bit old-fashioned and therefore it doesn't quite ring true just in that the mother in it refers to her partner as dad where she says you know and then dad came home but not in front of her children just as a 
as a point of reference for him. Do you you understand what I mean? That sort of... Yes. It just, there was just a couple of sort of lines, you know, like in Lady of Letters, which was written in the 80s, she refers to the child as the kiddie. That's not really an expression I don't think people use anymore. No, it's not. And I suppose as well, like, it's just, it's very regional maybe as well. Yeah, but I think it's more to do with... um, you know, a lady of letters works because she's an older woman. So maybe in her day, they would have referred to a child as the kiddie. But in this, Sarah Lancashire explicitly says that she's 46, which means that she would not have grown up in a time when those sorts of, I don't know, it just didn't quite. And Sarah Lancashire is not 46, she's 57. So and, you know, but I I mean, I'm all for age blind casting. I think if you deliver the performance, then that's fine. But it just struck a kind of a slightly wrong note because she is older and if you're going to do age blind you have to have the writing to fit otherwise the performance doesn't feel she felt a bit too old Mm. so the other one I wanted I want to talk about was the shrine which was um also a new monologue that Alan Bennett has written for this performed by Monica Dolan who we Ah. have um, raved about on this podcast because she was in All About Eve, which you saw. Yep, she was great in that. And then we both went and saw her at the... Donma Warehouse, Inappropriate. Inappropriate, and we um, thought she was fantastic in that. And I also have loved her from her TV date, like when she was in W1A. Oh yeah, she's brilliant in that too. really good in that. Have you watched the, The Shrine? No, I've only watched two so far because I thought they're on iPlayer for at least a year. So I'm I'm just going to like, they're not the sort of thing you want to watch. That's not a binge worthy. I kind of think you want to watch them just in steady time and enjoy each one. So I'm going to, but I will obviously get to it. Yeah, it's good. You'll really enjoy it. And I remember um, you saying when you saw her in All About Eve, she did some of the best crying you've ever seen. Mm, she was very good and she does she does very good crying in this as well at one point and it's a really touching um story and it's got sort of the as we were saying before like it's got the humor in it of there was this there was this bit in it where she comes down her stairs in her house and she's saying I don't like to she says I don't like to blend in and she's wearing a jumper that's the same as the wallpaper almost and a pair of trousers that look the same color as her banisters so she looks like she is totally blended <laughs> i love stuff like that do you know what I mean like not, yeah. not everybody that wouldn't tickle everyone that sort of thing tickles me and it's so subtle she's not the exact same color as the wallpaper and the banisters but you just think you totally are blending in right now yeah um, um it was really good and um, you learn right from the beginning that it's about her husband, uh, Clifford, who has died um, in an accident. And she's finding out about this accident. She thought he was bird watching, And through her interaction with going to the scene of the crime and the police, she sort of gains more information. And it was really good, but it was it was a lot slower and not as it wasn't as sort of obvious. Or, it, it was just a little bit slower. I, I didn't like yeah. it. It wasn't one that will stay in my memory forever. Yeah. Um, but it was very good, definitely worth a watch. And then I watched the Kristen Scott Thomas because she's just an amazing actress who I love to watch in anything. Oh, yes. I'm looking forward to that. The Hand of God, was it? Hand of God. So we can talk about it when you've seen it. Maybe we'll talk about that on the next podcast because okay. you'll love it. Yes. You'll absolutely love it. Yes, they're on BBC iPlayer and they're going to be available, I think, for 11 months, it says. So a full year. You've got to watch those. Um, Something that you probably won't have a chance to watch now if you're listening to this, but hopefully you saw it anyway, is the National Theatre. I think this is their second to last live screening in this season. I don't know if they'll do any more, but it's um, Les Blanc. I think that's how you pronounce it. 
is The Whites, and it's written by um, Lorraine Hansbury, who's an American author who wrote A Raisin in the Sun, was her big hit on Broadway in the 60s about a African-American family in Detroit, I believe. And this was her last piece that she wrote in 1970, because she actually died when she was 34 of pancreatic cancer. I know, and she never she never finished this play, and obviously she was very young and the first African-American woman ever to have a play performed on Broadway. And so this was an unfinished work that her husband then finished after her death. It was staged at the National Theatre in 2016. And one of the reasons I really wanted to see this one is because it's directed by Yale Farber, who directed Blood Wedding that we saw this year or last year at the Young Vic. And we really loved that production And so I thought, oh, I'd love to see some of her other work. So this is obviously a great chance to do so. It's about basically sort of colonial Africa and um, a mission kind of hospital. It's in an unnamed African country, but it's worth noting that Yale Farber is from South Africa. And the character Chembe, um, he's from Africa, but he's grown up at the mission and then he's gone to Europe and he's married a European woman and had a child. But he's come back for the death of his father because his father is one of the elders of um, his tribe. Mm -hmm. And so he's come back. Basically, he's kind of thrown back into the politics of of the area and of colonialism in Africa. And so it's just it's a play all about the legacy of colonialism within Africa. And obviously, it's kind of a great time to be bringing this back. Because obviously, in the news, we've had protests sparked by the killing of George Floyd. And we've had protests in this country as well. It's kind of people in Britain have started to re-question or kind of look at in the mainstream our colonialist history, because it is not something that we're taught in schools at all. And it's not something we kind of often want to face up to. And this, this show really kind of looks directly at that oh, and I love poses that. a lot of yeah. interesting questions and conflicts across this kind of range of characters that we have in the mission and like Yale Farber's other piece that we loved Blood Wedding it's very atmospheric there's a group of African women who who walk around the stage singing tribal music that kind of creates this real atmosphere and then there's a character of played by Sheila Atom actually who we really liked in What's the Bob Dylan musical called? Girl from the North Country. She played the daughter who sang Has Anybody Seen My Love with that brilliant voice. Yeah, she plays this kind of ghostly figure that's almost haunting haunting Chembe. I'm, I'm not sure if it's his his mother or it's kind of the Africa he left behind. It's She's this haunting presence. But yes, it has brilliant atmosphere created by the music. And also the set is very skeletal. It's just kind of the framework of this mission and it rotates on the stage and the stage is kind of covered in dust um and yeah I just thought it was it was just a really a really interesting play and nothing kind of is explained too simply it's it Mm. slowly kind of unveils itself basically in the background some of the there's a revolution basically happening and they're resorting to violent terrorism as it's seen by the colonial powers and these so-called terrorists from one perspective or freedom fighters for another they are resorting to violent tactics and killing white families including women and children and so and is very torn and he says that we we started out um protesting or petitioning not even to have equal rights as africans in their own country but just um i think the line is he says you know we would we were just begging for crumbs from the imperialist banquet table 
that's all we wanted and we protested peacefully but nobody listened and we were met with violence so you know it's just really it just shows some really interesting dynamics and perspectives on things and the acting's so brilliant and so believable that everyone's feelings and emotions are just they're just really believable and palpable and it kind of makes it a very gripping drama yeah some really great great writing and the acting was brilliant so yeah that was a really really good one I'm glad I watched it so I can't watch it sounds fantastic it's and like you say I think this would have been really powerful to see this live yeah it definitely would have I'm sad I didn't see it live but I'm glad I watched it because although it's an atmospheric piece that would have been amazing in the auditorium, I think the writing's still really strong and the performances come across. And um, it's just something that I found really fascinating and totally interesting. Unfortunately, you won't be able to watch Le Blanc anymore because it's not on um, the National Theatre. And their last piece is The Deep Blue Sea, which we did see, oh, yes, starring did. Helen McCrory. If anyone watches that, let us know what you thought of it. We weren't bowled over, were we, in the theatre? No, it left left us feeling rather cold. Okay, so I've been listening to a podcast and it's called Homecoming. Have you heard of it? No. It's a sort of psychological thriller drama. It's about a caseworker who's working in a psychiatric sort of experimental facility and they take on soldiers that are returning from war. Catherine Keener plays this uh, sort of caseworker and she's focusing on one of her patients called Walter Cruz who's played by Oscar Isaac and David Schwimmer Wait a minute. I've seen I've seen a, the tv show of this yes they made a tv show after the podcast oh I did not know it was based on a podcast yes I watched the tv show with Julia Roberts so successful as a podcast that they've made the tv show of it Oscar it's brilliant so David Schwimmer Ross from Friends is her boss he is so brilliant in this his character is he's such an asshole he's so good his boss that he's sort of reporting all the he's he's under a lot of pressure to sort of um come up with the results and his boss is played by amy sadaris who's even worse than him and um yeah i know you do and then david cross also makes an appearance so i've listened to the whole of series one i i i I cannonballed through it it's so good and the episodes are really short and they're really well done it's not like it's a proper drama, like a really, you really sort of like all the sound effects are really clever and they've, it's a really sort of um, high value production on it. I'm so going to listen to that and you should watch the TV series as well because that was really um, interestingly put together. What channel is the TV series on, do you think? It is on Amazon Prime. Okay, well, you listen to the, you listen to see, season one and then we'll talk about, talk about that some more and see what you Yes, because they've just done a season two on Amazon Prime with uh, Janelle Monet is starring in it. Oh, okay. I must do that. Okay. Well, I'm definitely going to listen to that. I had no idea it was a podcast. That's really cool. Mm. Right. Well, I'm going to go run and have my dinner. Um, As always, it's been lovely talking to you. And for those listening, thanks again for sticking with us during these weird COVID times. And I hope you've all been watching stuff. If there's anything that you've been watching online that, you know, we haven't mentioned yet, please tell us because there is a lot of great stuff out there. So just um, Instagram's the best way to get in touch with us, which is at Theatre Club Podcast. And we're always open to recommendations of cool things to watch online, kind of theatre related, musical related, music related, anything like that. Just um, let us know. Keep watching. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so lame, aren't I? You sure are. I think are. I've got a bit mad. I think I've been a little bit mad. So thank you for listening to Theatre Club Podcast, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Keep listening. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, yeah. Al. Bye.